0: Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is too much for a Norwegian. We're a quiet people. I'm overwhelmed. I'm good for 2023 as well with that welcome. You may have a seat. You may have a seat. So that's what it's like to be stalked on Facebook. I didn't send any of those pictures to the team here. That's, that's completely on you. I'm gonna make a private account on Facebook and and think about what I, what I put on social media. No, So a little bit, uh, a little bit of an insight as to what uh, it looks like to be a family and uh, my everyday life. What an honor to be here. What a privilege to be far away from home, but at the same time, quite at home, together with God's people, together with brothers and sisters on a Sunday morning. That's what I feel like. It's a uh, Sunday where uh, we're not we're in the same time zone. So my family's going to church. I was texting with them in the car. They're on the way to church. I was like, we're a half hour ahead of you. 11 o'clock is when Norwegians go to church. So this, I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> the sermon is coming on early. The, the service is a little bit early, but... We'll adjust, right? We're, we're, we're happy to change. We're happy to change. I'm 37, and uh, thank you for the introduction. Wow, I didn't know I did all that. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I do. I need to think about whether I should continue with all those things. I'm speaking about my kids, uh, and whether I should have as many of them. And the future as well. No, put, put a picture up of, uh, of them as well. And, and again, I saw it here. My wife, Lena, she's on the left. Sebastian, he's 11. Sophie, she's 12 and runs, runs the shop, at least. Yeah, I'm the oldest of five, so I know what, what it's like to be the oldest. She, she's being groomed to take care of, of the whole house as me and my wife just go on a second honeymoon or whatever. We'll see. We'll see about it. And then Samuel, uh, well, he's, he's, he gets everything he wants. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, if if my young boy, four year old, he wants something, I'll, I'll get it. So I've, I've let the tax-free shop at uh, the international airport know that I'm coming on Friday because I need extra candy to in the shop. I, I'm gonna empty the candy the tax-free store there because uh, he's wanting to get a lot of skittles. That's that's what I've been that's what I've been told. I'm uh, so Lena, Lena a little bit of my my wife. Uh, fun fact: she's a classical singer. That's, that's always the response. Wow. Well, it's my response as well, but it's not, it's more of an ouch in my life than it is a wow. It's a both and, let's, let's be honest. It's a both and. But in, in Norway, we don't say grace, we sing grace before we eat. So there's a, like a little tune, and I kid you not, I have been corrected at the table. It's like, no, 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 that's the wrong note. Start from the top and sing grace together with the rest of us. So it's not all wow. It's a little bit of ouch as well to be married to a classical singer. I want to talk today about uh, that journey that Jesus invites all of us to to participate in, following him, experiencing the new and the better life that that is found in following Jesus. And I want to recognize the fact that there are some people in the room that might have been uh, walking with Jesus for a number of years, maybe you're completely new or maybe you're still searching. Maybe you're still wondering about this Jesus, wondering about church. And I just want to say I'm so impressed by you then to be here to investigate what faith is about. And this is a safe space to investigate this uh, invitation that Jesus extends to all of humanity. In the Bible is called discipleship. And I want to talk about the essence of discipleship today. Being a child being a teenager, being a young adult, being a family or a senior, those are different seasons of life. And being a disciple in those various seasons of life looks different as well. I think it's important for us to recognize that discipleship is not a one-size-fits-all, but life, as life progresses, our journey of discipleship progresses as well. And as individuals, as families, and as a church family, we should be creative, we should be clear, we should be specific about what it looks like to follow Jesus in this season of life that that I'm at right now. There are new questions, there are new opportunities, there are new hindrances, there are new new, new things that needs to be explored. When you're a young adult, when you're a family, when you're uh, a little bit older. And I want to talk to you today about that journey. Paul describes that journey in this way, the journey of discipleship. He says in Colossians 1 chapter 28, and Colossians 1:28 to 29, we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ, mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So that's what Paul is aiming for in his own personal life, and his ministry, as he's planting churches and encouraging those churches in the walk with Jesus to walk towards maturity, to walk towards perfection in Christ. But how many of you know that that's, that doesn't come automatically? How many of you know that maturity is not a quick fix? It's not something you buy off of eBay and you get in the mail and you're good. Like, I got maturity on sale. It just came in the mail and I just stuck it in some, somewhere and, and I'm, I'm there. It's a difficult journey. It's a lifelong journey. And uh, sometimes life gives us a little bit headwind. We uh, feel like it's more of an uphill than a downhill journey. Life events happen that need, causes us to have to reflect. Maybe even we, uh, we have to be healed in some manner. There are questions that demand answers. We come across situations or people or topics that demand investigation and, in the end, hopefully, answers. And there are relationships that, as we're, we're not disciples, Just individually, but we're sharing life together with other people in community and in church life and in the workspace and so forth. There might be coming coming across people that we might need reconciliation. We might need to forgive or be forgiven. Discipleship is not just a set of robotic actions that we can just put in place. And if we do this and do that and do that, then maturity happens. Then discipleship happens. I would think it would be a too simplistic approach for me today to just come here from Norway and say, I have three tips to put in your discipleship backpack that will solve everything for you. See you later. <laughs> I want to I come at it from a different angle today. I want to be a little bit personal, and I want to have us to zoom in together on the life of the first disciples and try to explore what it looks like to follow Jesus, not just on an action level, but on an energy level? What is the fuel of discipleship? What, what is fueling me and you towards a lifelong journey of following Jesus? I believe that there are two sources of energy, so to speak. And I know we're in an energy crisis both here and there, so I, I'm solving that crisis right now. <laughs> Not talking about electricity, but the energy for discipleship. And uh, those two are... Uh, Most visible in the early stages, and the and and a little as we grow a little bit more uh, older, the first one you find in kids in kindergarten and in elementary school, they're filled with it. This energy, they're they're bursting with this energy. That's what propels them into life. I want to talk about curiosity today. I want to talk about curiosity, the power of curiosity, and. The second thing that perhaps becomes more visible in our life as we grow a little bit older and uh, we learn that life is not lived as fast as we thought it is when we were kids is the power of patience. Power of patience. I want to talk about those two sources of energy today if you might put in those, those terms. Discipleship's best friends can be curiosity and patience. Are you with me? So let's talk about curiosity first. Curiosity, as I said, uh, is perhaps it's a personality thing, you might think. But I think it's, it's a God-given uh, capacity placed on in each and every one of us. That sense of of eagerness to know and learn what the world is about. And we see this in all kids, right? So I was talking to a friend of mine. He, she works in a kindergarten. I was asking her, what, what's everyday life like for you? I know my kids, obviously, but... Uh, having multiple kids in the daytime when they're full of energy and you, you're taking care of them together with a team, and what, what's that everyday life like for you? And she was uh, kind enough to share with me a text that she had written about her first years as a kindergarten educational leader and what those years were like to meet those kids. Let me read. In one of my first years as a kindergarten teacher, I had a boy who was above average in curiosity about everything that was going on. From the moment that Andreas entered the door, the questions about why this and why that started. Regardless of what I was doing, there was something that Andreas needed an answer to. During toilet visits or diaper changes, he wondered why I was wearing gloves. We know. During breakfast, when I asked him if he could push his cup just a little bit into the, further onto the table, he was wondering why he just couldn't just stand there. When we talked about King Harold, we have a king in our country, he wondered how many people the king would invite to his birthday party. <laughs> One day, when it was just me and Andreas left in the dressing room, after a series of questions that I couldn't answer, he looks down at the floor while saying softly to himself, Andreas, you have to stop asking so many questions. I was in shock. There, that little boy stood in front of me, full of curiosity about practical things, about existential matters, telling himself that he had to stop asking so much. Had, I, had he noticed in me that I found his questions a little bit challenging? Or had somebody else told him to be quiet? As he walks out the door... I call him out and I say, Andreas, I know that I'm not always very good at answering what you're wondering about, that I perhaps often say that we have to figure it out later, and then we don't. But the truth is, I wonder about many of the same things that you do. I'm just not good at asking questions. Can you and I make a deal that together we will start taking time to find out the things we keep wondering about? Andreas, he didn't disagree, and in that moment, we lay the foundation for what would be an exciting journey of exploration. About space, about NASA, about Trojan horses and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Among other things, we found out how astronauts brush their teeth in space. How that turtles are good at climbing, at least the Ninja Turtles, if you remember that old TV show. And that the sun is completely white even though it looks yellow from the earth. Fun fact, fun fact. Curiosity is an enormous source of energy. Curiosity has the capacity in it to drive us towards learning and development and growth. It changes the content of conversation, it changes the dynamic in relationship, it even can change the trajectory of a person's life. Curiosity can. So, I wanna ask you today. How is your curiosity level? Do you feel curious? Have you, or have you stopped asking questions? Have you felt just that toning down of that sense of being curious and asking questions about the world? It's an ordinary day for Simon Peter and Andreas. They're... uh, walking to work, which means uh, to their fishing boat. They're uh, at the Sea of Galilee and they're about to go fishing. Then this guy comes walking towards them and he's walking with firm steps and he's headed in their direction. And they're about to set sail and uh, go get some fish. But then he starts yelling at them or he starts shouting something in their direction. It's really so absurd that they should just, honestly, they should just start laughing and be like, whatever, we're going out. Because This man just stands there and he says, "Hey, you guys, just come follow me I'll make you fishers of men." And but they're like, "Wow. okay, okay, can, can this be done at once? They left their nets and followed him. the power of genera- of curiosity. They decided immediately immediately in that moment they, they wouldn't just go about their everyday life business, but they would follow. Jesus. You know, curiosity can open doors to a whole new life. I want to say to you today, if you're on that journey of exploring faith, would you take inspiration from Peter who just left their nets and followed him? I don't know what you have to let go of. I'm not asking you to let go of your intelligence or let go of your autonomy, or but let go of that hesitancy. Let go of that doubt. Let go of, of that sense of just needing to know a little bit more and give Jesus your confidence I'll follow you I'll I'll trust you with my life that you have a new and better life for me if I give you my faith that is the invitation to discipleship you can choose that today and we'll say a prayer in closing today a salvation prayer which is which is that prayer to say Jesus I'm curious as to know what life together with you could look like If one of the disciples is to be called Curious George, remember that little monkey? Yeah, Curious George. If one of the disciples is to be called the Curious George in the group, I believe it has to be Peter. We already met him curiously, just letting go of his nets and following Jesus, but he continues throughout his walk with Jesus to be curious. He defies gravity and walks, tries to walk on water. That's uh, how curious he is. That I've, I, I've tried. Like I was, I was at that same lake, and I you know, put my bathing suit on or whatever, because I didn't, I had faith, but I just want to get wet just in case it didn't work. So just in case, you know. But I was, I was gonna walk on water for sure. And then I, I, I wanted to just walk, but I thought if I run, maybe that'll help. I'm believing for this to to, to happen, but just a little bit of. of change of clothing and some some speed could help in this moment so I make a run for it and uh it starts swimming but Peter is that kind of guy right he's like Jesus what are you up to can I can I step out the boat as well and he continues throughout life and following Jesus they're up on the mountain Moses and Elijah just appears out of nowhere and Jesus is transfigured and he's like Jesus how awesome would it be if I was oh, build three cabins? Or not? Uh, and he's asking Jesus questions and he wants to know how he can be useful and part of what Jesus is doing. He comes running toward Jesus with questions when he's wondering about how many times do we actually have to forgive another person? Is it seven times? Is it 70? Is it 70 times 70? He's asking, exploring, investigating. He's the quickest one to give a response when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Well, but who do you say that I am? And he's like, I want to I answer. I'm, I, I think I got it. I think I got it. And Jesus says, that, says to him that your curiosity has taken you to a point of, of revelation. That you've understood who I am, the son of God. And he's also troubled. It's like, Jesus, you don't want to wash my feet. I know how... Long ago, I did it myself. So this is going to be, I, I'm putting it in there. It's not in the Greek. Uh, but he's like, is this really necessary, Jesus? He's pushing back also. It's not just a faith-filled questions. It's also the trying to understand, grasp things questions. Do you really need to wash my feet? Isn't this the opposite way around? And, but then he con- converses with Jesus and understands how it all connects. It's a vibrant curiosity and a steady flow of new questions that drives and propels Peter on his journey of discipleship. That's what I want to suggest to you today. My own journey starts uh, uh, way back, having been grow, growing up in a Christian family, being uh, being uh, the oldest of five. So I, I know what it's like to be a boss like my daughter would be. Um, going to Sunday school, age 11, 12, 13. And there were Especially two young adults that I remember for that, from that time in my life. There was Gunnar and Elin. And Gunnar, he was an older man, a little bit older. He was working as a postal officer, uh, delivering mail and such. But he was there on every Sunday morning wanting to help us find community and grow in our walk with Christ. And to do that, Gunnar had a trick. He said that every time you have a birthday, I'll give you a chocolate. It's like he wanted to be friends with us. So, we had a birthday, like, every other month, (laughs) I think. So, talking in Gunnar years, I'm, like, 150 years (laughs) old-ish, something like that, something like that. But Gunnar made that possible, that we could be there together and uh, have great friendships, and uh, from there on, it just developed further on as Ellen, she opened up, she was a 20-year-old, she was living... uh, and an apartment, and she said to, we were like seven, eight people, uh like early teenagers, she said, Come, come to my house on Monday nights, and we'll open the Bible, we'll share a meal, and that's where I prayed my first prayer out loud. That's where I started reading the Bible for the first time it's, that's where my journey started of being curious about what it looks like to follow jesus and uh in some way I could uh, you, you could say. That's a that's a wonderful story, but it's not a ended story. It's a starting point, right? I'm a, I brought a different Bible here today, because where there is curiosity is missing, we stop searching, we stop maturing, we stop developing, we start stop investigating. A lack of curiosity is not just a. Uh, Nice to have, but it can become a difficult thing where we stop asking questions. We stop at that childish picture we have of who God is that we bring with us from Sunday school or from youth group or from one stage of life where we try to understand and investigate, but then we just, oh, okay, check, got that. And we stop asking questions. We stop exploring. Where there is no curiosity, we miss out on hearing the testimonies of other people in our life. Where there is no curiosity, there is no conversation about how God is moving and how God is faithful. Where there is lack of curiosity, there is the potential that that tough life event, that moment of, of, of a difficulty, that headwind or that uphill battle can become the obstacle in our relationship with God that stops us in following Him with all our life. Where there is lack of curiosity those unanswered questions start creating a distance in our discipleship. Because curiosity is not just about knowledge. Curiosity is not just about becoming more intelligent about the things of Christianity or becoming more uh, wise and knowledgeable about church life or, or whatever. How many of you know that curiosity creates intimacy? Curiosity creates intimacy. Where there is curiosity, there is a closeness. You can think about, think about uh, your relationship with your, your spouse or a close friendship. Where there is that, uh, uh, what's going on in your life? What's, uh, what's happening with you? Tell me your story. What are you hoping for for the future? What's happening right now? How did it go with that? How, can I pray for you? Where there is curiosity and involvement in each other's life, there's, there's, it creates intimacy. And I believe the same to be true with our walk with God. That where there is a curiosity, God, I don't want to let this understanding of you just stop and be at this stage of my life. I want to see you more. I want to understand more of who you are. I don't want to let this life event hinder me from following you with my whole heart. But God, I need, I need to be honest. This, this sucks. I don't want to be here. But tell me, show me, guide me. What what are you teaching me? What are you showing me in this season of life that I don't find easy at all? Instead of letting it create a distance, it can create a closeness. If we have that conversation in prayer, asking God to reveal what he's doing under the surface. I dream about that kind of community, about that kind of church, about that kind of discipleship. Family, a curious family, conversations happening, asking each other questions, wanting to understand what's happening. But one key thing is important then. We have to let go of our pride. Because we have this idea that if a person is asking questions, it's because they don't know. And nobody wants to be someone who doesn't know. We want to be people who are knowledgeable and insightful and, and all that, right? But we're all faking it. We don't know everything. So let's get off our high horses and start asking questions, right? Let's try, let's be honest with each other and say, I, I don't have, I've seen this, a little bit of this and that. I feel confident, but this I don't know. I need to, I need to, you're a little bit older than me. You, you've walked with God a little bit further than me. Can, can I, can you, can I ask you some questions? Can I, can I level with you, life group? And, and just say that I'm not here to impress you with my knowledge. I'm here to be walking side by side with you in curiosity of, in discipleship. So I want to say, say as we talk about that power of curiosity, that holy curiosity that is in us all as a God-given capacity, let go of the pride and let curiosity blossom, but curiosity needs a life companion because it becomes it can become stressful and hyperactive if it's all questions and all exploration it's, it sounds tiresome if it's a non-stop thing, right? like just thinking about my four year- old I'm, I'm glad I'm here on a break. Um, <laughs> nonstop questions, so we're, we need that companion, and that blessed companion is. Patience. Patience is what it's good to have walking side by side in tandem with curiosity. Curiosity says, now! Patience says, wait. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a personality trait. It's a God-given gift to each and every one of us to have patience be helping us to move forward at a steady pace. Curiosity creates momentum, but patience creates stability in that journey. At first glance, we can get that impression that Peter wasn't a very uh, patient kind of guy. Like we already seen that he's asking questions he's moving about. And uh, he's saying to Jesus, I want to know what it will be like with John's role and my role and who will be in charge and this and all that. And Jesus says, wait and see. It's not for you to know. I'm not going to tell you everything. Some things you just have to understand as life progresses. And he says to Jesus, together with the disciples, is it now in Acts chapter 1, is it now that you've, you're you going to restore the kingdom for Israel? Is it now? Is it now? Is it now? And Jesus says, well, you have to wait. In Jerusalem, something important is happening. I'm not going to go into detail on what's going to, how it's going to look, but... I need you to wait. I need you to be patient and understanding that walking with me involves confidence in trust and, and trust in me. He's sitting in a prayer meeting for days, then, for, without nothing happening. A prayer meeting, have you ever? We go to prayer meetings and we know it. This is at 8 p.m., they're probably going to close. This prayer meeting, nobody knows when it ends. It lasts for 10 days, right? That's patience. Praying without knowing when prayers will be answered. The Greek word for patience, I'm throwing around Greek here like a crazy person, but this word is fun. It has a fun meaning and its root, it's called makrothumia, which could, could uh, of its various meanings, it could, be, it could mean it takes a long time to cook. It takes a long time to cook. How many of you are familiar and you love slow cooking? Not a big thing in South Africa. Uh, Eden Valley was like one person. Like everyone was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm that kind of person as well. It's like a delicious meal can be made in 12 minutes. A frozen pizza, just put it in the oven. A little bit of extra cheese on it. It's good. Nutritious with vegetables and everything. <laughs> At least that's what I tell my kids when my wife is out of town and we have dinner. The <laughs> 12-year-old has busted me. It's like... Dad gave us pizza when you were away. I was like, there goes your pocket money. Uh. But my brother-in-law introduced me to slow cooking. I would eat that. Seven out of seven days in the week. That looks amazing. My frozen pizza doesn't look like that at all. Can we have that? Can we start making that now and have it on Wednesday? That'd be awesome. So it takes like 10 10 or 20 or even my brother-in-law served me a meal one time. He says, I started this three days ago. It's like, you have too much time. (laughs) (laughs) But it takes a long time to cook. And I want to say that it's true about the diet of discipleship that not everything is a quick fix. Not everything is a one, two, three, a 12 minute in the oven. Discipleship is a slow cooking process. It's a slow cooking journey. It takes a mature understanding to, to see that discipleship has that dynamic to it, that the same as slow cooking. I'd been a principal for at this uh, Bible college for uh, a few years' time when I came across a season in my life that, um, wow, how can I put it in honest terms? Let me share a life story. Uh, my spiritual life was super dry personally it was okay, financially it was okay, but inside, spiritually, my relationship with God, I felt like it had dried up. And that was painful enough onto itself, right? Like to to to, to have that sense of, of, of pain and of, of grief, like some, that vibrancy was gone and it felt dry. But on top of that, I was in this wonderful community, right? 35, 40 young people, like 18 to 25, just setting a year aside to uh, pursue spiritual formation, wanting to know the calling of God on their life, wanting to explore the Bible. And they were, they were bursting with energy. They came in early in the morning, sat and did their Bible studies before class started at nine. And they were eager to hear what I had to teach or other had to teach. So, and there I am in this, this wonderful and painful situation. Where they're going at it, and I'm I'm lost. Um, I remember in those the, that fall of of um, that semester, I uh, I started praying the simplest of prayers um, because I was kind of confused. Like I, I I I I know so many things, God, about the ways of this, but I don't know how to pray in a more simple way than. God I just need you to show me that you love me. It sounds super childish, right? It's like super it's basic. You're shaking your head and I agree. It's super important. But for me it felt like a childish prayer. God, I I don't know what else to say that I need I need a, just a touch of you, of your love. So the year progresses and classes are going on and Things are happening and uh, we come into the spring and we leave for a three-week journey to Argentina. We did that every year, wanting to help out with an orphanage, help out in church life and various things that we did throughout, throughout those three weeks. And we come and I see, see everything happening the kid, the the young adults they're being baptized in the spirit they're prophesying over one another they're they're experiencing the love of god the the supernatural things like ever before in their life and I'm I'm just watching it's nothing's happening and I'm thankful and sorrowful at the same time right it's that weird paradox so we come to the end of the uh, end of the trip, and we're on a Sunday service, and the pastor's been preaching, and he's been preaching on many things. So I remember he says that, I've been touching on many things today. So today, I simply want to say, if you want to receive prayer, or want to have someone bless you, then the altar is wide open today. I was like, okay. So I looked at the student next to me, and I said, Andreas, Would you like to come to the front? Because that's what pride does to you, right? right? I was so caught up in everything that I was like, I I didn't rush to the front myself, but I think if I can get this student to come to the front with me, I'm being honest here, then then I can be there in the front, but it looks like I'm helping him, but really I'm desperate for myself. Pride does a lot of stupid things to us. we have to let it go, so I come to the front and i'm standing there and i'm okay, okay good and good i'm here god uh, and uh just put my put my hands out like this that's all I remember shutting my eyes and, and then putting my hands out like this, and uh I hear people moving around there's a little bit of worship going on and and then somebody just does this just touches me in the palm of my hand with their fingers, like just pass them by, just touching me. And and I don't mean to tell this story to to make myself important or to say that this is the way it works for everyone or to to be make any other else any other point than to just share a personal story, right? About patience. Um and I fall to the ground. It's just that that overwhelming feeling of God's love after a eighth month period of a simple, childish, important prayer. God, I just need to be overwhelmed by your presence, by your love, by your, you see me. That's what happens. But it took eight months. Sometimes it takes a long time to cook. But Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I dream of that kind of community. That kind of patient, trusting, slow-cooked disciples. Who don't think that this journey is about, you know, a 12 minutes in the the oven and a one, two, three, and then we're, but understanding that the beauty of patience The gift of patience, the importance of understanding that the Lord is slow cooking. He is preparing a meal. It says in Revelations, right? I will have, if anyone will open their door, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I've prepared something good. I've prepared a a good meal. I've slow cooked something beautiful. I've been working something in you, around you. And I'm ready to serve you. So, I want to encourage you this morning and say that that I could have come here today and said, "Well, there's the power of of, of, of solitude and of fasting and of service and of Bible study, of prayer—all those wonderful spiritual practices, the, those life-transforming uh, spiritual formation steps that we can take and put in the backpack." And but today, I wanted to just, what's 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 fueling that? What's fueling our? involvement with those beautiful practices what's what's giving us an energy to understand that that maturation that christ is inviting us to that's it's happening it's the power of curiosity it's the power of never stopping but still asking questions to god to each other and maturing in that way but then also understanding that it's not a quick fix it's a patient walk with jesus in closing i want to i want to Come back to the point where i said that that might be the story for you that you've come here over a number of weeks over a number of months because you've been curious you wanted you wanted to know what is this about who who, who is this jesus and what 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 does he have to do with my life it says in john gospel of john chapter 1 was 35. the next day john was there again with two of his disciples then when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Lamb of God means there is the one who has come to save humanity. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them followed, following and asked, What do you want? It's a fun question. Jesus is saying, What do you want? And they don't know. Maybe you don't know. What do you want? But you want something else than what you have right now. And they simply say, Jesus, uh, where are you staying? Where do you live? Can we come be where you are? And he says, come and you will see. And it says that they spent that day together. I want to invite you today, if that's, your, if that's the point of your journey and uh, discipleship will share a prayer together. I'll pray first and the whole room of uh, believers and new believers will pray together with me. I'll I'll say yes to that invitation to come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. All he's asking of his curiosity and confidence in him. Then he'll invite him into our life and uh, let him show us day by day what that walk with him looks like. So let's bow our heads for just a short short uh second to give that give each other just that moment of privacy about a life transformation transformational uh, decision if you want to raise your hand right now if you want to raise your hand right now if that's where you're at in your journey of investigating faith of exploring jesus you want to say yes jesus i believe in you i want to follow you i want to give my life to you i want to see your hand right now thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much awesome that's what jesus is asking us to be give give him our curiosity and he will give us guidance for a rich and full life of him you may open your eyes and say after me a salvation prayer echoing as i read first jesus thank you for coming into this world to save sinners to save me i receive you as my lord and savior And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 It's been an honor and a privilege to share this Sunday morning with you. Hope you feel encouraged by that word. And uh, I pray you have a great, great Sunday onwards. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.